Hello and welcome to another episode of Hula La. Now, my name's Sam and unfortunately, as you may have known from the Christmas special, these cheeky goblins have been running around and they've managed to nab Alistair from earlier in his time stream and turn him into baby butter for baby scones. So I'm afraid he's not joining me and I've had to get another co-host. So today I am joined by the incomparable Josh Whips of Doctor Experience fame. Josh, hello. Hello. How are you doing, Josh? I'm doing very well, thank you. Excited to be on the podcast? I'm buzzing for it. <laughs> What's weird, so normally me and Alistair do uh, podcasts over Zoom, every so often doing in-person ones. When you have like an in-person guest, as Josh is right now, we, we've got one microphone, we're kind of like ping-ponging between us. I feel like I'm being interviewed on like BBC News or something. <laughs> Except we're fully like in a bedroom, just like sat on a bed ready to talk about a very specific episode of 2014 Doctor Who. <laughs> just sipping on some white wine after watching that. Oh yeah, we've had a couple glasses. I'm actually going to have a little sip while I ask you, Josh. Josh, how are you? I'm well, thank you. I have, uh, we've just come off the back of watching this episode and I'm very much in my like headspace of 10 years ago no hold on that sounds that sounds dreadful i'm not sure anyone wants to be in the headspace of a of 10 years ago 18 year old i know what you mean though it's suddenly like watching this episode i felt very like transported back to 2014 i was like oh yeah th- oh this was doctor who at the time like you know if i close my eyes i can i can i can see the hashtag what was it what was the hashtag they used for like it was when the leaks happened and they were like hashtag keep me spoiler free Oh yeah! Oh, and, this was um, one of the episodes where the where the script was leaked. Yeah, 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 and it was also the uh, the world tour. I and mean, when Jenna made a Twitter account, like I close my eyes, I'm back there. I remember it very well. Oh my god! Well, everyone listening to the podcast, Josh is actually probably more qualified to host this podcast than I am. Now he has been involved in Doctor Who. This isn't this is common knowledge for the podcast that I you know. Doc 2 fan from 2005 onwards, solid, solid, solid. And then I very much like fell off for a few years and came back hard. I think it's fair to say you never fell off. Mm, yeah, no, you're right. I I have always made effort to watch every single episode live all the way back from 2005 Rose. I remember at one point I was very close to dipping out after, oh, classic story, everyone had it. <laughs> End of time part two. I was like, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> I'm finished with this show. I would, I'd like, do you remember back in the day when you'd go on Facebook and you'd like, like 200 pages on your newsfeed and they'd be like, that's it. That's my time on Facebook. Yeah. I'd liked about a hundred different groups of like, Matt Smith's ruined Doctor Who. My guy had, <laughs> had like 20 seconds on screen just like running around replacing David Tennant. And I just decided in that moment that I'm like, no, no, no one can replace David Tennant. Hashtag Mm -hmm. not my doctor. (laughs) (laughs) And then I remember watching the 11th hour just out of like spite. I was like, (laughs) no, I've got to watch this and realise how bad he is. And then by the end of the episode, you were like... Not even the end of the episode. Like it was when he literally just got out of the TARDIS in Amelia's garden, walked into the tree and I had a smirk on my face and I was like, oh, I like this guy. (laughs) I was like that with David Tennant. I remember when Christopher Eccleston regenerated and I was like, who's this man in his leather suit? I don't know him. We don't know her. I don't like him. And then by the time he was like, do you miss me? I was like... I did miss you, David. I really did. <laughs> I was swayed real quick. I don't think there was another point where I nearly dropped off. Like, I just think this show is the best thing and the worst thing on television. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Here's me sat on a Doctor Who podcast. I'm like, yeah, I think this show's shit. <laughs> um, but I think that's the joy. And I think I think so much, like, discourse and so much, like, online arguments and stuff are just like, oh, this showrunner's this and this showrunner's that. And I'm just sort of like, the show is ridiculous this show is so so silly Mm -hmm. so so joyous 
I feel like it's always going to be there. And people are like, oh, mm-hmm. this, you know, the ratings of this, the ratings of that. I'm like, it's it's always going to be on. It's always going to like, they'll be talked to in any kind of capacity of some sort. I know I'm sort of saying that as someone that's been like, oh, I, was, I wasn't around when the show got cancelled in the 80s. But I'm yeah. just sort of like, it's fine. It came back at a movie. Like, it'll always be there in some form. This is what I think. Like, even if Doctor Who was to go on a hiatus, say, after Shooty Zero or the Doctor after Shooty. Like, Doctor Who, I don't think will always be on TV every single year. But I think in some capacity, it will always come back. It's always going to be here. What was your relationship with the show then? Because me, me and Josh met. This is really weird to think about. We've known each other for less than a year which is wild for me to think about. We met at Gallifrey Cabaret in March, 2023. Um, but you were already listening to the podcast, I think, at that point, weren't you? I was, yeah. Don't ask me what the first episode was or how I found <laughs> out about it, but I was listening. <laughs> Josh was actually, so Beth Axford, uh, who wrote the unofficial Doctor Who quiz book, who was also the first ever guest we ever had on Who La La, was on the podcast because you introduced us, because you already knew Beth and you introduced us. I was so drunk that night. I can't remember anything. <laughs> Oh, no. oh, me too. It's all good. No, I remember <laughs> I remember Beth coming up to me and being like, oh, um, I love Hula. Like I see it online and I was introduced through my housemate Josh. And then I saw you and you were like, hi. There's me. There's you. But what has your relationship been like with the show? Um, so obviously, like I said, like I, I was eight years old when it, when it, you know, 2005 and it came back. I was hooked on it. I had, you know, same sort of kind of generic everything growing up with it so like you know i had the action figures i had the oh my god i had the I sh- <laughs> the what i had this um video that i showed sam a couple of weeks ago of um i had like a youtube channel and it is gonna stay <gasps> private it's gonna stay hidden because <laughs> yeah. i swear to god if this gets oh, out it's so good it's so bad <laughs> it's so bad that it's good I feel like um, everyone of our age had a YouTube channel at one point. Everyone wanted to be a YouTuber or a mm-hmm. YouTuber in 2008. And like, I had like my like terrible quality webcam in 2008, <laughs> 2009, where like I had my face of bow action figure with movable mouth, which I bought from either Woolworths or Wilco, rest in peace. <laughs> and like, I had the face of bow lip dub to, what was it? It was like, Take that, rule the world. I think it was. I think so. Yeah. Um, it I had was like so good. Martha action figure doing like handstands. I had like it was like Doctor Who. No, it was gonna say it was Doctor Who. Prince got talent. It wasn't. It was called, like the like the Exterminate Factor or something. <laughs> I don't know. Two thousand and eight <laughs> was a different time. It was a, it was a wild. So time. like we're talking that level of fan. Like I had the um, Battles in Time cards. I had the Nintendo DS Top Trumps game. <gasps> See, I never um, had that. I had the, all the Top Trumps. I actually have a set of the original two thousand six Top Trumps here. The oh physical ones God. somewhere. I'll take those out after we record it. <laughs> I never had the Wii. You mean the Wii game one or? No, no, no. It was it was the it was the DS one. Oh shit! But with the Doctor and Martha, that one. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. One, was there a Wii game? I know the the exact same one they did on DS and Wii because they're both Nintendo. Oh, I feel like just Doctor Who does not have a good relationship with video games. Apart from the adventure games. I was going to say, I will games. argue for the adventure games. Those are actually stellar. Those are so 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 good. Mm-hmm. Um, but you you've sort of I always say this. I mean, we're going to dip into the episode we're talking about, I promise, very, very soon. But I always say this with you. You're always, like, one degree of separation away from Doctor Who. Like, you've had so many, like, <laughs> touches with the show. Like, there's, there's just so many... With me, there's so many stupid stories that, like... People just, like, when people listen to my stories, they just sort of sit there and it's like, of course that happened to you. Of course that did. And was like, you've lived a thousand lives. Well, like, I when I was... 
19, like, I left my parents' house and I moved to Cardiff and I started working at the Doctor Who Experience. And then that was also when Class was filming. And that was also when Series 10 of Doctor Who started filming. And, like, just Cardiff isn't as big as a city as you think it is. And mm. just the weird, like you say, degree of separation that I was from the show. Like, one of the coolest pieces of things that I own um comes from a secret Santa that I had when I worked at the Doc 2 experience mm. where I have a framed like do you remember at the launch of series nine they had like the Abbey Road yeah, um Jenna Coleman and, and Peter yeah, Capaldi yeah. and the Daleks crossing the mm-hmm. Zebra Crossing. Um, I had that as like a proper poster signed by Peter Capaldi to me with little Dalek doodles that and stuff is on it. Why? Oh, I'm yet to see this in person. I have seen a picture of it. It's, it's crazy. Honestly, it's sick. And I've had it framed in like every single bedroom that I've lived in since <laughs> then. Like I love that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's the sort of the weird degree of separation I've had with Doctor Who. Like it's, um, like I said, like, you know, living in Cardiff is just that in itself. But like, no, I feel like there's, there's, I still don't even think I've told you half the silly little Doc 2 stories that are <laughs> I'm, my life. We but. keep talking about how we're going to go on a road trip of Cardiff, and I'm sure this is where all of this stuff is going to come out. <laughs> we're going to come out. Well, I do know that you have ties to the episode we're talking about today. If, uh, dear listener, you've not heard from the episode title, uh, we're talking about the 2014 classic Time Heist, uh, which was one I was speaking to Josh um, a couple weeks ago. I was like, oh, we were saying you're going to come on the podcast. And I was like, oh, what do you want to do for your episode? And you gave me like a list of like 30. You were like, okay, what haven't you done? I was like, oh, I can't even remember at this point. So then you made a list of the ones I'd done, which I thought was so impressive. And then you're like, okay, well, I love this one, I love this one, I love this one. And on this list was Time Heist. And I was like, oh, we need to do Time Heist. We do need to do Time Heist. Also, sorry, the way that you just called this a, a 2014 classic also makes me sick, also makes me giggle. Like, 2014... <laughs> was the other day. 2014 was, like, I remember it like it was maybe not yesterday, but like that still feels pretty current to me. Like to me, my brain goes like, okay, so right now it's 2022. Um, but last year it's 2018. So two years ago, 2016. So I think 2014 was three years ago. Like that's my math. Yeah. 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 Odd, odd years don't exist. You're right. (laughs) Literally. Uh, and I skip over 2020 for obvious reasons. Valid. Yeah. But what made you, cause it was really, I I think I was the one that was like, we have to time heist, but why was that one of the ones you sent over? Jenna Coleman in a sexy suit, obviously. That's um, a valid reason. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. I think I think I knew deep down. I was just like, listen, if I'm on it, just to talk about one thing. It's got to have to be twelve, Clara. Mm-hmm. Like they are, without a shadow of a doubt, my favorite doctor and my favorite companion. Which is the funniest thing because at the time of watching, I wouldn't have said that. Yeah. But I think just as time's gone on, I just think the two of them. I chef kiss chef's kiss I think that no one even comes close to them to like Mm -hmm. watching it watching it live would have been like oh David Tennant and Catherine Tate and like obviously love the two of them Mm -hmm. love you know I love every single companion every single doctor various different things but these two just there's something about it like those who get it get it Mm -hmm. those who don't I feel sorry for (laughs) (laughs) no I get you I, I feel like this was the beginning of the intermediate end for me where I was like about to start falling off the show where mm. I don't I feel like I was also like a little bit made to be like okay Doctor Who's like for kids and you grow up and whatever whatever and I feel like Peter's era was really the like start of that nail being hammered into the coffin and I just remember not really connecting with it. I remember I okay my memory of this series series eight is watching 
the mummy on the orient express and be like oh this is the first one i've properly enjoyed like i remember watching that and being like oh, i really like that um and this one i just remember being a bit like oh i don't know it was fine um i enjoyed it a lot more on this rewatch so a little context for anyone who's not seen the episode in a while uh, the episode came out on the 20th of september 2014 uh, to a viewership of 6.99 million and it currently has an imdb score of 7.8 out of 10 which is a very like respectable score for, as doctor episodes go you know i don't know how other episodes of that series rank but that sounds pretty solid i can tell you how other episodes that rank so we mean us have put a lot of planning into this podcast and we have a little tracker with every episode in their imdb score so looking at this series we've got deep breath of 7.8 into the Dalek 7.6, Robot of Sherwood 6.9. I'll go through. We've got 8, 8.8, 7.9, 7.2, 6.7, 8.4, 8.3, 6.1, 8.5, 7.8. 8. So the high of the season is 8.8 8 with listen. Interesting. Not how you drank them? Not at all. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm looking at this. In the first of the night, deserves better. Yeah. Mummy on the Orient Express is like you, like you said you absolutely love that. Mhm. I don't like I think it's a good episode. I don't I, know how I feel. I have watched it fairly recently but like I haven't watched the whole series as a whole recently. <gasps> the Caretaker on 7.2. Nah. nah. Nah 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 nah. We don't agree with this. Nah. We don't agree with Sorry, this. Sorry IMDb users. <laughs> I don't agree with not I don't IMDb not- agree with you. <laughs> well look this is why you know who's on the podcast you you know who's not on here IMDb. Preach and say that again. <laughs> say that again. Well look so I truth be told, had not seen this episode since original broadcast. I know this is actually going to be gaggy for people who listen to this. But so basically with my relationship to Doctor Who, I came back onto it in a real hard way when Russell was announced back. And there has no comment on who the showrunners were at the time or anything like that. It was just where I was in my life. And my pure nostalgia for the RTD era sort of jumped me back in. And when we started Hula, I made quite a conscious decision to not watch any episode of Doctor Who that I hadn't rewatched. So I was rewatching, you know, Russell's era and um, some Stephen Moffat episodes that I'd seen a lot. But I, I, anything that I hadn't seen in a while, I was like, I'm not going to rewatch because I want fresh eyes for it for the podcast. This is one of those times. I have not seen this episode since original broadcast. Josh and I have just watched it. Um, and I have thoughts. So for anyone else who's not seen it in a while, again, my advice is always just go to iPlayer, go and watch it. But if you hadn't seen it in a while, here's a little recap of the episode. In Clara's flat, the 12th Doctor answers the TARDIS's phone, and both are surprised to find themselves in a room with two others, Sai, a hacker with an augmented brain, and Sabra, a mutant shapeshifter. A recording including messages from each agreeing to a short-term memory wipe before getting instructions from the architect to break into the bank of Carabraxos and steal three items from its vault. The head of bank security, Mrs. Del Fox, uses a telepathic alien called the Teller to detect those with criminal intent and destroy their brains. The Doctor believes the memory wipes were needed to avoid being caught. Within, the Doctor, Clara, Sabre and Sai find six devices left by the architect that appear to be atomic shredders to be used if they are caught to die quickly and painlessly. Both Sabre and Sai sacrifice themselves for shredders when they encounter the Teller, allowing the Doctor and Clara to reach the vault door. The door appears impossible to open, but then a solar storm strikes the planet's surface, triggering an automatic unlocking sequence. The Doctor realises that this was a time travel heist. They recover two items, a serum to stabilise Sabra's DNA and a circuit to restore Sai's long-term memories. The Doctor and Clara are captured and brought to Del Fox's office. The guards reveal themselves to be Sai and Sabra. The shredders are actually short-range teleports to an escape ship in orbit. The storm threatens to destroy the bank, but the Doctor wants to uncover the third item. 
They meet the bank's director, Madame Carabraxos, in a private vault. Carabraxos directs Mrs. Delphox, who is the latest of one of her clones, to have the teller brought to her vault before having Delphox incinerated for letting Carabraxos down. Before Carabraxos departs, the doctor gives her the TARDIS's phone number to use when she has a moment of regret. When the teller arrives, the doctor lets it restore his short-term memory. The call to the TARDIS was an act from the dying Carabraxos regretting something she left in the vault. The doctor became the architect of the time heist to assemble Sabre and Sai to plant the teleports to get him to this point. The Doctor shows them why they had six teleports. Carabraxas wanted him to rescue the teller's mate that she had locked up in force of the teller's cooperation. The teller then frees its mate and the two, the last of their kind, are evacuated to an unpopulated planet to live their lives in peace. Aww. Isn't that cute? It's a love story. It really is. I think that's so cute. It ends, it ends very, very cute. But before we get into your thoughts and mine, we did reach out to you on X, the app forming known as Twitter, to see what your thoughts were, dear listener. And here's what some of you had to say. At Begin Again Fan said, It's a classic high story with Clara and Peter, so I loved it. At the third JP says, An underrated banger, and Cy and Sabra should have been recurring characters in 12's era. I think that's valid. I think there's a lot of companions that could have been, and they definitely fall in the category. I completely agree. I remember back in 2015, just after um, last Christmas aired, this was me in my silly tomfoolery era where I didn't realise how good Clara Oswald was as a companion. Mm -hmm. Um, I was like, oh, Clara should have left after last Christmas. And I was like, we should have brought back Cy and Sabra. I mean, why not add them to the list? You know, Team Not Dead in Series 9. Could have been. Could have been, honestly. At Stradi Hoover says, It's the movie of the week format Series 7 was going for done absolute justice. Stylish, full of ideas, just lots of fun. Preach. Say it again. It's the movie of the week's format. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) Ethan says, This episode was made for the bisexuals. Jenna Coleman in that... Oh my God, you're so right. (laughs) 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 Jenna Coleman in that suit, along with Jonathan Bailey, is just chef's kiss. That aside, it's probably one of my favourite Series 8 stories. The premise is very clever and the supporting characters are very likeable with interesting motives. It truly is made for the bisexuals. The costume designers knew what they were doing when they put Jenna Coleman in that suit. Mm-hmm. Like, my lord. It's hard. Um, Beg what? your pardon. You know what I said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that <laughs> Oh my god. At IPT1231 says, I like Time Heist and I always say this, but I always imagine the writers and actors were playing a Doctor Who tabletop RPG and it turned one of the sessions into an episode. At Dennis Guild 10 says, Loved the heist setup, especially loved the cameos of such criminals as the Slavine, John Hart, and even the Trickster. I forgot about that. I completely. So, so much of my memory of this episode is gone. And I completely forgot about that scene. It was so fun when I was watching it. And I, and I love that it's specifically, a, it's not like a promo picture for Slovene. It's like a picture from when it was inside Downing Street. I was like, who took that photo? Well, I just, I think the the people that they chose for it, like, because obviously like the context of that is, um, Sai is trying to get the, the teller to be like, oh my God, all the worst criminals in the galaxy are here. Well, mm-hmm. let's go and whatever I do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's go and tell. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go tell excuse me, miss. I'm, I'm, I'm telling. telling. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did save this my fun facts, but I'll pick it out now because it's it's relevant. 
Um, so when Sai tries to lure the head away from Clara, visualizing some of the galaxy's most notorious criminals, the mugshots he has seen assembling include a Sensorite from the Centerites, a Treleptil from the Visitation, a Slitheen, an Ice Warrior, the Gunslinger from a town called Mercy, Captain John Hart from Torchwood, Andrax and the Trickster from the Sarah Jane Adventures, and Absalom Dak from Doc 2 magazine. The way that they included some bloke from a comic from Doctor Who magazine is one of the most deep cut deep cut references that I think Doctor Who post 2005 has arguably ever done. I know. I remember watching it at the time and being like, I have no idea who this guy is, but I bet he's from Doctor Who magazine. <laughs> like, that's so nuts. Like, obviously I know that we've had like stories that have been done from like Big Finish that have been turned into a story, uh, as in a uh, Big Finish turned into a TV show. Yeah. And you've had, uh, like, the beep has come from a comic and yeah. various different things like that. But, like, this is literally just a picture of the comic. Yeah. It is That's- a deep cut. Do you know what I think is a deep cut in this world is in, I think it's in Aliens of London when they assemble all of the specialists into Fight the Selene. One of the characters there is a member of UNIT who is named in the show, I think, and was only in Doc 2 magazine in the wilderness years. And they brought her in as a member of UNIT. What? I didn't know I that. Know. Yeah, fun fact, fun fact. You have to listen to our episode on, on the Slovene episodes uh, of Who Will I Talk About That. But coming back around to the time highest, Josh, what did you think of this episode? I have always loved this. Actually, do you know what? That's a big fat lie. No. <laughs> I, I on broadcast in 2014, I watched that. And my little 17-year-old self went on to Twitter.com and I said, (laughs) what the bloody hell was that? (laughs) I don't understand what I've just watched. What on earth was that? Um, Very much in my, I study media now. I can be a critic. (laughs) And I didn't get it. And then it took maybe a year later. Yeah, it was probably just about a year later because I do annual rewatches because apparently there's nothing else on television to watch. Mm. Um, and <laughs> and it wasn't until I rewatched it and had subtitles, I could understand the beginning of the episode with please, the architect. Please tell everyone what you call subtitles. <laughs> so we, we had the episode on today and I said, Sam, can we put the lyrics on, please? <laughs> I love it so much. It's so cute. Oh my God. <laughs> But no, it's absolutely something that you, if, if, if you're hard of hearing like me, or you just, <laughs> you're eating a packet of crisps and there's too much rustling, there's mm-hmm. too much overstimulation, you, you can't hear, subtitles. you can't hear what the architect's architect is saying, <laughs> <laughs> then, then hell yeah, you need subtitles because mm, I could not tell you what was being said. No. Uh, and when you have that context at the beginning, there's a lot of information at the beginning of the episode. And if you're not paying attention at that part... You're lost for the rest you, of the episode. I will back that up in this. This is, it's a, another one of those Doctor episodes that has a real cold open. One of my little, I, I've got mainly highest one of my little tiny loads, which I know you like, is that it opens with a shot of the time vortex. And I really love it in the context of this Doctor's era's titles. But it's so, it's not that it's so CGI. I think it's that it has those cool circles that work so well for a title sequence. But then when they try and sell it off that that's the time vortex of this era, I'm just like, this is not doing it for me. It's not. Is there ever an explanation as to why the time vortex constantly looks different? Creative differences, bad. Creative differences. Creative differences. I kind I low key, I mean, it changed all the time in classics. So I completely get why it, 
changes. I, I, I feel like in Classic Who, though, it changed up until the Eighth Doctor trying to make it look more and more like Cool Space. They changed to a very, very different Cool Space for Eleven. And now I just think they're like, oh, let's change it every time. And I'm a bit like... Mm. I love the idea that like the time vortex changes just because of like, it just happens to be the title sequence. Does that mean that like space and the time vortex in 2012 just look like different Instagram filters? <laughs> Uh, like, it was great. Funny, that random week in 2012 when you went into the time vortex, it looked like the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, do you find that bitch? No, funny that. Funny that. It had some weird, like, Dalek orbs and it was really bright orange. <laughs> like a dinosaur. <laughs> oh my God. But I, like I was in the wa- Wild West. I was in the Wild West. Um, but I do like the cold open for this episode. And um, you had a really funny. What was your funny note for the very opening? <laughs> my little note was, <laughs> and I quote, I like being in Clara's washing machine. <laughs> I didn't really think... Well, you were very observant because you've been in Clara's flat before. I thought it, you were going to say... Because you've been, been in, in Clara's, Clara's washing, washing machine. machine. <laughs> well, you have. You've been in Clara's flat before. And and I like there's so much stuff that I just let wash over me. But you, I was talking to you about it when we were watching it and you were like, Clara has goldfish. Who looks after the goldfish? When Clara died, did Rixie look after the goldfish? <laughs> well, this is it. I feel like when you watch like... Rose or like any of Martha or any of Donna, like you really, really have a concept of their home life. Yeah. And even even Amy to an to an extent, but not as much. Mm, with Clara, more Rory, more Rory. Yeah. With Clara, it's like obviously we have the beginning of the Rings of Akaten where you meet her mum and dad, and obviously her mum dies. And then her dad gets recast randomly in Time yeah. of the Doctor. That's bizarre. But they bring um, the nan back. The funniest thing is he's credited as dad, not Dave Oswald. So I just like the idea. My little headcanon is that he's playing a character called dad. He's not actually Clara's dad. <laughs> His just legal name. Is, <laughs> what if his name is like uh, David Andre Daniels and everyone just calls him dad and that's he just, just turns his, up to the Oswald Christmas dinner. That's just his nickname, isn't it? And uh. then his wife is uh, Clara's stepmom is the Atmos voice and then Clara's <laughs> nan is the woman from Benidorm. Yeah. But like, no, that's, that's as much as a concept of Clara's family her like little unit is yeah um and obviously you get clara's nan comes back in what like the series eight finale i think it yeah is. yeah it's after danny um, dies but like, there really really is no great explanation of clara's little um her home life apart from obviously danny pink is probably the biggest one mm. but um i completely lost my trailer thought how did i get here from a washing machine <laughs> i don't know if anyone can follow that thought no i was i agree with you that i was saying about how um we keep coming back to clara's flat and i like when they do that they did it with martha's flat they do it with donna's home they did it with the power estate like i like it when you keep coming because i feel like with amy's house we went there a couple times in series five and then they changed houses and um i like when you have a real tie to a companion's home life mm. and in this series i like that you keep picking up clara i mean we're talking about the opening of the episode we do have to talk for a second again about our outfit because that truly my note just says and pardon my french it really just says cunty clara outfit she looks so good i mean she like the costume designer went off on this episode it's genuinely like i think it's my favorite clara outfit or should i say outfit that jenna coleman has worn because i also really 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 like oswin's out oswin oswald's outfit i really really like under the lake before the flood oh yeah with the yellow her minion outfit <laughs> Do I stutter? <laughs> and like she has a lot of strong looks, but like I genuinely 
Who was the costume designer? Let me. In fact, let me. Right, let's look, let's, let's give, give them a shout. Credit out where right credits now. due. Let's give credit where credits due. Come on. Howard Burden. Howard Burden. Yep. So we've just looked it up, and the costume designer for this episode was a man called Howard Burden, who was a Doctor Who costume designer from 2012 to 2014. He was also a long-time costume designer on The Red Dwarf. So he started at the beginning of Series 7, and it looks like he finished for last Christmas. So he's responsible for a lot of Clara's outfits in this era, and he really does pop off in this series, and especially in this episode. Howard, I could kiss you. you That's it. That's my comments. Do you know what? Yeah. I would. Yeah. Because he put Jenna Coleman in that suit. He did. You know what? Fair. She really looked so good. And they're very, very quickly uh, zapped away from Clara's flat. I will say one little negative as well. And and I've said it before on the podcast, I'm not a big fan of when they make the Doctor, specifically Capaldi's Doctor, act like he doesn't understand humans. Like a big part of the Doctor's character is that they are understanding and they're compassionate and they're kind and caring. And he's like, he says to Clara at one point, why is your face all coloured in? And it's like, it, it just doesn't, it makes the Doctor feel stupid to me. And I don't like when they write the Doctor as stupid, in and out of Capaldi's era, but specifically when he's trying to relate to humans, I just don't like it. Um, but they zap them both away from Clara's flat and suddenly, this is all pre-titles by the way, they're suddenly in a room with Sabre and Sai, otherwise known as Jonathan Bailey, my husband. And they're told by the architect that they need to rob a bank and it's all very exciting it's all very dramatic and the big takeaway that i had from this scene is that the memory worms came back (laughs) (laughs) fan favorite memory worm i like turned to josh and i was like are those the memory worms from and he just turns to me and he's like would you like me to fetch the memory worms would you like me to fetch the memory worms sir yeah help i've been run over by a cab (laughs) yeah the actors that played the memory worm they were at work for a while they had a bit of a stint on celebrity big brother but but they got brought back they got brought back they were booked and busy again in 2014 but do you know what hashtag bring back memory worm i'd be so down for them what if the memory worms met the maggots from the third doctor's era Wow. <laughs> if only. If only. Um, and as I mentioned, they're at the table with Jonathan Bailey. And this is another case, like Jonathan Bailey had by this point been in a lot of stuff. I'm not going to pretend. We were watching this with my friend who doesn't really watch Doc 2. And he saw Jonathan Bailey. He's like, oh, is this the first thing Jonathan Bailey was ever in? And I had to then bring up all of the pictures of five children in it that Jonathan Bailey was in when he was like 13. Um, but I completely forget that he's in Doctor Who. He's also in Broadchurch. Yeah. No, he's he little is. Ollie. Yeah, little Ollie yeah. in Broadchurch. Little Ollie. Um, and he just, oh, gorgeous man, gorgeous actor. I love him in this episode. I do feel a bit like they don't give him great dialogue. I think that Jonathan Bailey is such an incredible actor. I'm watching him in Fellow Travelers at the moment and he has such a broad range. I don't think the writing in this episode is as good as Jonathan Bailey is capable of performing. What do you think? I agree with you. I also don't think you can be a guest star in Doctor Who if you haven't had a lot of your potential wasted. <laughs> Dare I say? <laughs> there's a ni- There's arguably a nicer way on saying that, but you hear me out. Like, you have Ian McKellen, and you're going to give him the voiceover of a snow machine. Literally, I... You have Gugu Marafa Raw... And you're, I mean, to be fair, she's a recurring character of Martha's sister. Yeah. You have... Um, Daniel Kaluuya. Daniel Kaluuya. You took the words out of my mouth and you're going to just have him sit on a bus. Do you know who I think they didn't underuse? Andrew Garfield. I think they really used him well. True. Him and Kerry Mulligan, I would say, are the only two that really haven't been... Underusing Olivia mm-hmm. Coleman, and losing oh, Felicity, Felicity Jones. Olivia Coleman, Felicity Jones, that's mad. Yeah, it's, there's so many crazy people that are in Doc 2 and are so underused, and I do fear that Jonathan Bailey's one of these people. I've said I don't want them to bring back Psy, 
But Doctor does this all the time. It always brings back actors. Bring back Cy. I'll say it. <laughs> you can say it. I will say bring back Jonathan Bailey as a companion, like a completely different role. Mm. I want him back, but I don't want him as this like weird robot man who's a gay. Oh, when he was like, I'm a gamer. I'm a gamer. I'm no a offense gamer. to any gamers out there. I or I love a bit of the Sims <laughs> too myself, but I've been known to game. I I uh, when he says I'm a gamer, do you think he was also playing the uh, Doctor Who Top Trumps Nintendo DS game? <laughs> I do, but he was having it like directly fed into his brain. Oh my god, Sabra! I really like her character, and I love her powers that she can't touch people without turning into them. So she's constantly alone because she can't touch people. Two thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. Number one, when she turns herself into Clara, Clara got horny. Like Clara's look was undeniable horn. Can right? you blame her? She's looking at oh, herself God, in no. that suit. In that <laughs> in that suit. I will keep going on about no. this every five minutes. In that suit. I can't blame her. But what I what I was also thinking, Sabra was like, I, I have to be alone my whole life because I can't I, I turn into the person whenever I touch them. Can you imagine, you know, trying to like love me and just seeing yourself? I was like, she just has to get with a narcissist. Because she has a narcissist, <laughs> she'll be fine. She'll be fine. I love your notes for that compared to my notes, which just says, Sabra mutant gene. No one can touch her. Just like that Skittles advert. Oh my God. <laughs> so, do you know the one I mean? Where like... Yes, I know. They're like you. You. I think it was like this. Like this woman was at like her office desk or something, and she was just trying to get her work done. And she's trying to type on her laptop, but she touches her laptop and it turns into skittles. And then she touches her desk and that turns into skittles. Mm-hmm. Like that's what Saber is going through. I love that. That's like the king and the gold story. But it, you. But you just jumped to the woman and the skittles. <laughs> What, is, what does that say about my brain? Oh my god! <laughs> but it's, a, it's a fun ensemble of characters. I like when Doctor Who brings in a, like an ensemble episode, and it's fun because it's such a cold open that we don't know who any of them are. Um, we're quite quickly introduced to both the Teller and Miss Delfox. Miss um, Delfox is really, really cool. She's a real like. I'm trying to think of a word other than that rude word I used earlier. She's a real like sassy classy villain in Doctor Who she really reminds me of Miss Foster but you said something really funny when we were watching the episode <sighs> what did I say <laughs> <laughs> you said something like you can't be a female villain in Doctor Who without being slay it's not allowed yeah it's just like you never get like a unyarsified female villain in Doctor Who they're all very like yeah slay mama boots the house down like and rightfully so like I get it but also like I mean, that's probably arguably what makes them more memorable compared to, like... Some of the male villains. Some of the male villains. I know what you mean. That It feels a bit like sometimes with female villains in Doctor Who, there's a bit of a cookie cutter as to what that is. And that's why I think it's not necessarily a positive that this character reminds me so much of Miss Foster. Because it's like they went, oh, she's a strong businesswoman bitch. And, like just kind of copied and pasted that villain archetype. Would you know what? I was also going to say like, oh yeah, in, in a way that she's kind of like, yeah, she's a bit like Missy. And then it just suddenly dawned on me that like, at one point they'd written Miss Carabraxos or Mrs. I don't quite know. No, Ms. No, Keely Hawes, Carabraxos. <laughs> they had originally written her character to be played by Michelle Gomez. Are they actually? Mm-hmm. Would you know? No, you know what? I'm going to say, I have a fun fact, but I'm going to save for the end of the episode. Oh, keep me in suspense. I'm going to keep you all in suspense. So yeah, she comes and we meet her and the teller. The big thing that I will remember, because I didn't remember much from this episode. I mean it when I say that it felt like I was watching it almost for the first time. The big thing I do remember about this is that the prosthetic for the teller is so good. Really, really good. So yeah, this is the thing. Like I 
when I worked at the Doctor Who experience, like obviously we had the, the we had the teller prop and like it was massive. Like it's mm. really, really tall and it's really, really impressive to look at. The the writer of this episode had written Curse of the Black Spot. And because so much of the siren in that episode was used, uh, they used a lot of CGI in that, that used up so much of the budget that in talks for this episode, they wanted to create a prosthetic uh, alien just so that more of the budget can go on the setting, on creating the alien world, on buying all saints costumes for the extras. Like a lot of money went into this episode, but like they didn't want to keep pumping it into like... CGI for the monsters. Yeah, that's really interesting because I do think I always say this that prosthetics age better than CGI. So when I look at like the Cursed Black Spot and they had the real like green glowy like visual effects, and I don't think that looks as good as the Teller. What I will also say, I don't really know why they spent so much money on the outfits of the extras because it true. This is meant to be like the biggest baddest bank in the whole of the cosmos, and everyone truly looks like they are dressed for 2014. There's one guy who. God bless his heart. If he does, if he isn't one, he certainly is dressed up on this cute little homosexual by the door when the teller comes in. And again, he's wearing like a bow tie. It just, it's so 2014. It's it's it's, it's so 2014 yeah. Tumblr Instagram super hulog coded. It made me want to gag a little bit. Yeah, and not in a good way. Gag hyphen derogatory. <laughs> yeah, but the te- like we were saying, the teller itself is really really good. So the little TARDIS team in this episode have to break into the bank and steal something. They don't know what they're stealing. They've had their memories wiped. They're not sure why they're there or what they're doing. Um, but they do discover these items that are meant to like atomize you or disintegrate you. And they're meant to kill you painlessly. Um, and the teller is able to kind of like suck out your mind and sort of kill you and kind of leave you in like a like a gross like sort of not quite dead state like not like kind of alive being so to avoid that science saber they end up sacrificing themselves during the adventure and i just wrote i'm not a big fan of some of the this episode has some really good dialogue and some really bad and i just i wasn't emotional obviously it gets undone in the end but when they sacrifice themselves i like the scene so like when sai sacrificed himself i like the scene because it has all those cameos of different um aliens but i just was so unemotional when he was doing it. like i think we're meant to be like oh my god like when linda with a y died in parting of the ways or when jabe sacrificed herself you know it was only in that one episode i actually like felt something whereas with these i was like i was like oh okay well that's sad like, i feel like maybe it's that we didn't get to know them enough maybe that's a really, really good point. Like, I will sit and say that, you know, I want them as companions. But then at the same time, like, maybe it's because I've rewatched this episode so many times. But like, yeah, their, their so-called deaths didn't really scratch the surface for me, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, maybe Sabre is like a little bit more because it was the first one. But because she'd already gone, I, just, I don't know. By the time Jonathan did it, I was a bit like, oh, I don't really care. But then, lo and behold, it's a teleporter anyway. Well, I was going to say, maybe it's just because I've watched this episode so much. I'm like, I know what's coming. It kind of, it's like a weaker version of when Rose gets killed in Bad Wolf. Because it's like, oh, she's going to yeah. get vaporized by the android. Actually, it's not death it's just a teleporter it's the same thing in this yeah it? no it's exactly the same thing in this and i think that like obviously with rose we've had a whole series like get to know her getting to know you and so it had a different effect but i i don't know i just think maybe it was the dialogue maybe it's like the act i don't know but it just wasn't wholly emotional for me but i mean at the end of the day it doesn't really matter it was a teleporter i didn't like the scene where so i was watching the episode and there's a scene where you realize that they're not dead it was a teleporter 
And all of a sudden they're like, it's fine, doctor. It's all good. And we've also found your TARDIS. And then here's a cure for your thing. And here's a cure for your thing. And I was watching it and I was certain, because I genuinely don't remember how this episode ended. I was certain that it was all going to be like a projection in the doctor's head by the teller of, you know, trying to trap him into thinking he's escaping. Because it was all too like, well, everything's all right in the end. And then I was like, oh, but it's not real, right? And then like a minute passed and I was like, but it's not real, right? And then like five minutes passed and I was like, it's not real, right? And then I realized I was like, oh no, that like, that actually is the, the, the fix, you know? And they all lived happily ever after. Yeah. I don't know. That I didn't love as much. I think, and then like another scene as well was, is when they go into that room just before Sabra dies and like they kind of realize the whole deal with the teller is like don't think like you can't think about anything you can't let it like know your thoughts and stuff um and i was like at this point like if you're watching doctor chronologically Stephen moffat episodes or eras have don't blink in blink you have don't breathe in deep breath mm-hmm. and now four episodes later five episodes don't later think. Don't think. You got don't go in the shadows, silence the library. Don't go in the shadows. God, what can I do, Stephen Moffat? Don't touch your children, the empty child. <laughs> Bloody hell, that took a turn. <laughs> no, I know what you mean, though. He has, I, I mean, I credit Stephen Moffat to this. I think that generally, and I don't know if it works well on this episode, but generally he, he works really well when he takes something that is so normal and so fearless and not fear-inducing and then makes it terrifying and... It, yeah, that's a real credit to Stephen Moffat's writing, but this also isn't a Stephen Moffat episode, so <laughs> that's probably why it's... Been, oh. <laughs> um, there's a few technical points I want to talk about before we get towards the ending, where you actually brought this up, and I really agree. I really think this episode has lovely colour grading. Like, it, it really uses colour well. This was made for the Tumblr girlies. Oh, it really was. It really was. Well, like you said, it reuses a lot of corridors. It's a, it, For something that's meant to be so huge and grandiose, it's not that many sets. So their use of colour in this episode really does make it feel like a larger space. Another thing that kind of like made me giggle, but then it was also like, hmm, trauma, um, was the, obviously, like I said, the scene where they, like the teller kind of locks onto Clara and then, then ends up like Sabra's having more thoughts. So then the teller ends up like quote unquote killing Sabra. 12 is like, don't think like, make sure that your mind goes blank. You can't think of a single thing. Like, don't let it know that you're, don't let it clock onto the fact that you're thinking genuinely just reminded me of like, ha, huh, this is what it was like when I was 14 years old, 15 years old, and I'd be watching television, and there was a gay couple on telly. Literally. And I'm like, oh, my parents are in the room. Don't think. Don't they think can't that. even think. They're going to know. They're going to tell. Oh, my God. That's actually a really weirdly good allegory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. No, that I really like. There's, ugh, one thing I didn't like, just talking about technical stuff, there's a shot with the Dr. Sonic's like a grating, and then they like go through the grating, and they end up in the room where the teller's hibernating. It's so badly edited. I wonder if they had to delete the scene. The Dr. Kind of goes, oh, here, let's go through this. Zaps with the Sonic. The whole screen kind of cuts to white, cuts back in, and suddenly they're on the other side. And I was like, this is weird editing. I don't know if you noticed this shot, but it's weird. I love how you were like, you in your notes, you've been like, oh, yeah, lovely, you know, beautiful colour grading. And I was like, I like the pretty colours and the lights. <laughs> but that's very hoolala. That's very hoolala. Um, just before Psy, quote unquote, dies, when they're in the like rainbow tunnel, like whatever you want to call it, mm. there's that line that Psy says where he's like, you can tell that you've been travelling with him for a while because you're very like good at making excuses yeah. for him. I've absolutely butchered that quote. No, no, but, no. But yeah. like, it's an excellent quote. And like, 
it is very much like even though 12 and clara are still new like 12 in series 8 is a bit of a dick yeah and like the beauty of when you watch 12's era in chronological law from deep breath to twice upon a time is it's just this beautiful character growth that he goes on and like the stuff he learns from clara the stuff he learns from bill the stuff he learns from river blah 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 and like that quote being said in episode five of like so early on in 12 clara's story then obviously feeds straight into the series nine thing of like the hybrid and how toxic the love that 12 and clara have for each other is Mm -hmm. um i think it really sows the seeds for what series nine leads into and i love that that was really insightful. That's so true. I kind of, I remember watching the episode and really liking that line and then very quickly moving on. But you're so right. Me, me and I also talk about it quite a lot when we talk about Clara. And I'm really excited to continue our Companions of the Modern Era series, Companions of the Modern Era series, where we talk about Clara in depth. Because we always say that 12 and Clara specifically have such a tumultuous relationship and it becomes very toxic mm-hmm. where she they kind of can't live with each other, they can't live without each other, but then she starts to feel like she can be the doctor uh, to a point where one day she just can't. And that's obviously in Face the Raven. Um, and I think that that, even though they hadn't really finalized where they were necessarily going in their relationship, that was a real good precursor to what would then came after it. No, completely. And I think it even like... I remember at the beginning of series nine, when like 12 comes out on that tank, everyone's like, oh, they've completely changed his character, blah, 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 blah. But like... I haven't obviously like there's a bit of time in between last Christmas and the beginning of series nine like mm-hmm. um they were like they gave him a guitar they're like yeah he got like sunglasses and stuff like that <laughs> um but then like he's he's mellowed a little bit like Clara's obviously really helped him obviously like he's gotten over his like ah, existential crisis am I a good man am I a bad man blah blah blah, blah. Mm. I just think it's boring when the Am I a bad boy? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Clara be my pal. Am I a bad boy? <laughs> but then like even the episode after that with like uh Under the Lake, um like he has the cue cards and stuff like that. So he's still not like a hundred Oh, someone's not a fan. I'm not a fan. Um, a fan. She's my carer, she cares so I don't have to. Yeah, but it's the actually I'll tell you what, I have a question for you. Out of interest, right. have you ever watched I think both 12 and 13's era specifically, if you watch... No, never seen them. No. <laughs> That's a joke. Clearly. Um, oh if you God. watch... <laughs> if you watch... Um, if you watch Deep Breath through to Twice Burn Time, the character growth and like... Just looking at 12 as a character, like it is genuinely some of the best shit that's ever been done as a story of a doctor, I think, mm-hmm. ever. Um and also like 13's era as well, not to go on a big tangent here, but like 13's era really benefits from watching it from the woman who fell to earth up until um, the power of the doctor as well. Like I mm-hmm. think that's, yeah. I think this is a fair point on both those. So I think that 13 and 12 compared to 10 and 11, because I guess you can say nine as well, because obviously it was one series. Their tenure, I believe is better when you look at it as a body of work. I think when you look at the 13th Doctor's era and the 12th Doctor's era, they are some of the best Doctor that's ever been when you look at it as a whole. Whereas with 10 and 11, I think you can quite easily pick out certain episodes and be like, oh, that's a great one. That's a really good Mm -hmm. one. That's a great story. And then yes, it's a good body of work overall, but I think maybe even 11 is quite a messy body of work. When you look at it overall, I think it has less of a structure maybe it's like if you can say that like 9 10 and 11 
if they were albums, it's like, oh, I really love that single. I really love that song. I really love mm. that specific one from the album. And then 12's era and 13's era is just like, they're beautiful albums. Yeah. It's a real, it's a real piece. Mm. You listen together. That's a really good, not us getting deep on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> Two analogies in a row that made sense. I know. Wow. What am I on? <laughs> You're I'm not sure I understand. Ah! <laughs> Why is that always coming at the worst possible point? <laughs> I swear to God. Oh my God. <laughs> so to quickly talk about the ending, they go into the vault and they meet Madame Karabaxos, who is obviously the director of the whole bank. And we find out that everyone else who has been working in the different branches of the bank is a clone of her. And she's very quick. because they kind of allude the whole episode to, oh, you don't want to get fired. It's not good to get fired. And then we find out that being fired is being incinerated. And I was a bit like, oh, that's a, that's a bit intense. Um, but you said something really funny about like, well, if I, because he, he, the doctor's like, oh, you know, she hates her clones. She burns her clones. And you're like, if I met my clone, I'd hate him too. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I literally, I have always said, if I was to meet me from two years ago, I'd push him down a flight of stairs. I don't think that's true. And if, <laughs> if I was to meet my clone and my clone was working for me, I'd probably find him insufferable. No, I think that's valid on my end as well. I think I probably would too. I, I can I can only deal with so much of me and I am me. <laughs> But it's really, the end. The ending's really interesting, I think. I like that the Doctor has to be sort of like, what's the word you'd use by being like mind sucked by the teller? Like, what would you, what would you, you be, he, he'd been told. The Doctor's like, you know, do me. Like, the Doctor basically tells the teller that he has to like have access to his mind because the Doctor needs to revive his memories. And then when he does revive his memories, we find out that he was the architect the whole time with the whole voice measure, like, I am the architect. Um, there's a moment where he says, I'm understanding. And Clara's like, what are you understanding? He goes, I'm not sure yet. And um, there's also a really funny line when he's being like mind sucked. And he says, um, what do you think of the new look? I was going for minimalism, but I think I end up with magician. <laughs> Which I was like, true, true bestie. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Oh my God. Yeah, that, the shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, 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 up. I thought it was going to turn into that bit from the confrontation where they're like, shut up, just shut up, shut up, shut up, just shut up, shut up. But I, I somehow, I like I said, I didn't really remember this episode, but I knew in the back of my mind, I was like, I think the Doctor's going to be the archetype. And you were like, shush, just watch. <laughs> I was like, especially as there was people in the room that hadn't watched it. I was like, I'm not telling you. Stop. You're going to ruin it. You're going to ruin the story. No, but it's a very sweet ending where we then find out that the teller has a mate who was kept captive and that Madame Canabraxos uh, had the one regret that she left them locked up and that the species died out. So the Doctor went back to fix this and they released them onto this uninhabited planet to sort of repopulate. And um, it's a very sweet ending, very lovely. But I think maybe, especially because it's in comparison to the practical costumes, I was just like, wow, that planet's CG. I just love the idea that like, and for those who are listening who live in Cardiff, you'll get this. I just love the idea of two people in them costumes randomly just strolling around Butte Park in Cardiff city centre, <laughs> like <laughs> me- metres away from Cardiff Castle, just walking around them and then they're like, ah, we'll edit it in, it will look like a planet. Literally, I can just imagine everyone watching there like, oh, it's Doctor Who. Oh, there's a Greg's around the corner. Like. <laughs> <laughs> there's a really funny moment when the Doctor's talking and uh, my partner's from Barbados, so he, sometimes get a bit, but, so he sometimes gets a bit muddled with regional accents in the UK. And he went, is, is he Welsh? And then Josh just turned and went, is the teller Welsh? 
And then I suddenly went into this whole thing. I was like, bloody hell, I've got me working in this bank. I don't even get time off. I don't even get sick pay. What are you talking about? Like, oh my God. That was so funny to me. It's the idea of a Welsh teller. <laughs> well, that might be. They could have repopulated. They could have... Bank tellers. There are people who work in banks called tellers and they, they're they bank tellers. What the bloody hell is a bank teller? They're the people who work at the machines. They're bank tellers. That's... Oh my God. Do you reckon that's intentional? We, surely hold on so if you they're, they're, so they're like there are people who work in the bank called tellers and they work in a bank and Miles, he's what what oh my god he's just googling and finding this out wikipedia for bank teller a bank teller also abbreviated to simply teller is an employee of a bank whose responsibilities include handling of customer cash and negotiable instruments. In some places, this employee is known as a cashier or a customer representative. Tellers also deal with routine customer service at branch. Tellers also melt customers' brains and turn them into soup. Hey oh, there you go. Those aren't that's, tears, Cara, that's soup. That's mad. I love, honestly, this is probably one of my favorite things about Doctor Who, is that like you can know every single possible piece of of information and fun facts and like you've seen this episode a million times and then you just chat with someone else and you're like there's so much more bank tellers are a thing <laughs> like exactly that's, wow. I love this show there you go there you go closing this episode out um, I, I noted that they keep reusing that one shot of the TARDIS lying away they use it four times in about a minute and I was like this is a bit much um, but the funniest thing when we were re-watching it is we, we had a Chinese takeaway for dinner and Josh just goes at the end all the TARDIS team are inside the TARDIS eating Chinese takeaway and they're like wait a minute they're having Chinese and we had Chinese we did we, we did. did I mean they were eating they were eating some sort of noodles from like a pot or something. It's a very like American Chinese, like Chinese takeout. That's yeah. what it like. Yeah. So they, they were eating, they were eating an American Chinese uh, with like noodles and stuff like that. And I had chicken. No, I didn't. I didn't yeah. have chicken. I had, uh, I had hoisin duck and uh, sauce and pancakes, which they didn't eat on the TARDIS. No, maybe one day. Maybe, maybe one day. day. Well, Josh, what did you think of this episode overall? So I don't think it's the best thing since sliced bread. However... I've all like I really, really do have a soft spot for this episode. Mm-hmm. I think it's just lots of little things. I think it's a fun episode. Um, I think I agree with um the people on Twitter who were saying like, um, oh, it, it very much feels like the episode of the week formula that they did with series seven. Mm-hmm. Um I have I had a great time with it. I think the characters are fun. I think Carabraxus is fun, I think Science Saber are fun, I think the teller is an interesting concept. Yeah, I had, a, I, had a, I had a good time with it. It's one of my favourites in Series 8. I'm glad. I think that's a really fair uh, description. Well, I remember watching it at the time and just, I think I was mm, a bit underwhelmed, but I think that was me generally with the series and having rewatched it and had some time, I don't necessarily think that now. I think it's really, it's got a lot of fun in it. It's not a perfect story and there's definitely moments that bring it down, but I think it's really fun having you dropped in the middle of an adventure. You're working things out with the Doctor and the Companion. I like that it's like a bank heist. I, I like, I always say this and I said this when we were talking about Gents of the Daleks last week. I like when Doctor Who doesn't just feel like a time travel show where different episodes feel like different themes and this feels like a bank heist movie and i like when doctor who does that it leans into different sort of tones and genres and i think this does it successfully and i think it's a bit fun yeah <laughs> well josh you're you're a very special guest in a very special podcast and that means it's time for a very special game <gasps> oh are you ready to play a little game of camp order yeah 
I always want to sing the theme song. And then I'm like, no, it's playing, it's playing. Sing it. So for anyone who hasn't listened to an episode of Hula before, we go through some camp moments. So for anyone who hasn't listened to an episode of Hula before, we go through some moments of the episode we've just discussed and we discuss whether they're camp or whether they're damp. Are you ready? I was born ready for this. Clara's Luke, camp or damp? <sighs> oh, in no way could I ever say that Clara's look was damp. It is it is camped to the highest degree. Mm-hmm. Like, 10 years later, we're still shaking. We really are. My partner was watching with us and um, he was like, oh my God. And we were like, what? And he was like, she's wearing a tie. I thought it was a harness. <laughs> and I was like, fair. <laughs> I want to know where she was going. She was going on a date. Where were you going she, on a date? She was going on a date with bloody maths teacher, Daniel oh, Pink. Daniel Pink. Daniel Pink does not deserve... Clara, full stop. I bet you he Let turned alone. up from what he wore to work. Yeah, I bet he was wearing like jogging bottoms and like boots with the fur. Boots with the fur. <laughs> Not Danny Pink wearing that. Oh. Any scene with Jonathan Bailey, can put down. <gasps> oh, you're so right for this. <laughs> Camp. I think. I think I was a bit in love with him. I, I think, think I still I, am. I think. Yeah, rightfully so. I think. You know when you watch someone. And like, it's in like something, I don't say Broadchurch is niche, but like in my head, he's always little Ollie, that dickhead journalist. <laughs> like, even in this, I'm like, that's Ollie. I, no matter how big he'll get, like, everyone's like, oh my God, Bridgerton and like fellow travelers. And I'm like, no, he's little Ollie from Broadchurch. I think of him from Five Children in it from like 2006. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Uh, no, that's absolutely camp. Yeah. I, I, I love him in this. I love Sabre. I love Sai. I think, yeah, They're I've said great. it a dozen times, but I'm like, bring him back. Should have been, should have been a companion. Should have been. Uh, and finally, memory worms. Come on, <gasps> oh, I feel like I feel like we're gonna have to go here. for the we're gonna have to go for the hat trick here. I feel like <gasps> I'm gonna have to go for camp. I am obsessed with memory worms. I think the idea of them from the snowmen, mm-hmm. funny enough, bring them back randomly two years. Is this later. the last time they bring them back? Yeah, they've only had two. Episodes in it. I think out of the two, what's your favourite memory worm appearance? Oh, no, it's got to be the snowman. It's got to be, shall I fetch the memory worms? (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. Oh, God. Well, I've got a couple of fun facts for you as well, Josh, off the back of this episode. Go. Speaking about the premise for the episode, director Douglas McKinnon said, quote, we wanted to do a heist movie for Doctor Who. I've watched virtually every heist movie there's ever been and it incorporates things into it, but because it's Doctor Who, time travel has to be involved. It's not much of a fun fact. Just said he wanted to be a time heist movie. And it was. I think I think they did a very good job with it. And one thing that I thought was really interesting is that this episode was written before Peter Capaldi had been cast as the Doctor. I struggle to believe that. I mean, I, I, mean, I do believe that, but I, yeah. I can't... Like, with episodes in series eight, like Robot of Sherwood specifically, I'm like, that is a weekly rehashed series seven part two episode of matt smith mm. like this is the 11th doctor with a few grumpy moments added in for the 12th doctor no. this episode i feel like I, I really can't i cannot imagine matt smith doing this i can't imagine like jodie whittaker doing this i can't imagine like it, very, it has to be peter capaldi it, it really really feels like such a capaldi episode and mm-hmm. i can't imagine any other doctor being like the architect as well like it just it yeah that's an interesting fact i like that there you go i'm glad this is this is a personal fun fact. This has got nothing to do with this will never end up on some TARDIS wiki page or anything no, like that. It. But when I was working at the Doctor Who Experience, I was there when it closed. And uh, for a couple of weeks after it shut its doors to the customers, I had the responsibility of taking the costumes and props and stuff like that 
down and cataloging it and sending it back to production. And me and my colleagues would like occasionally have like some tiny little gadget <laughs> or like tiny little piece of machinery. And like, I mean, we're all massive Doctor Who nerds that worked there. So like, we were very, very good and like very, very like, oh, that's on that one. Or that's on that one. Like all of us knew something. Yeah. But then every now and then you just get the most obscure looking bit of technology and go, what on earth is this? Where does this come from? And then we ended up just creating this catchphrase of just going, because we knew how much money had been spent this episode. We just went, if in doubt, time, time heist. heist. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably true for so, all the little gadgets and gizmos in this episode. I just love the idea of production, just like opening up all these things and just being like, we did not spend this much money on Time, <laughs> time Heist. Heist. Why has Time Heist got so many things? Like, where's this prop from? Oh, they put it in the Series 8 bit again. They open it up. It's from Gridlock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Josh. It's been so much fun. I'm so oh, glad to have done this you. one with you. Oh, no, thank you. I'm very, very privileged to be on. Thank oh, you for having me. Well, tell everyone where they can find you, if you want them to find you, that is. Oh, my goodness. So you can find my Twitter on um, Twitter slash X. At, um, at the whippersnapper but it's w- written with a's um i wouldn't even know how to say this t-h-e-w-h-i-p-p-a-s-n-a-p-p-a yep the whippersnapper <laughs> couldn't have picked an easier handle for myself mm-hmm. um that's about it yeah that's about it Back Very in, fun there. yeah you'll just find some like completely unhinged off the wall doctor who thoughts and opinions there every now and then mm-hmm. <laughs> I love honestly, as someone who follows your Twitter and has been following for a while, I can vouch for you. It's a very fun Twitter to be following. You, I'm gonna hire you to do Hulala's Twitter soon. You will see the niches Doctor Who things. You will see my random thoughts and feelings on EastEnders. <laughs> Every couple of weeks asking for Roxy and Ronnie to be brought back from the dead. Mm-hmm. Um and not a lot else. Happening. Fun and merriment. Yeah. There's a couple of goblin things in there too. Goblins, Lucas Aid. And sometimes the meep. <laughs> sometimes the me <laughs> and you can always find us on our social media for hula at hula pod on all platforms we're talking twitter slash x instagram tiktok threads i always want to say vine we're not at vine find something around Blimey. for me i know we've gone back in time to 2014 oh, but... i know it does feel like that doesn't maybe that's what it is uh, and you can always listen to old episodes of podcast on our youtube channel which is also a hula pod and please if you have the time make sure you do leave us a review we are on all of the podcast platforms spotify apple music amazon podcast i think we're still on google i think Google Podcasts is still a thing. Give us a shout if you're listening to Google Podcasts. Please do leave us a five-star review if possible. Uh, you can tell us how much you like the show. You can donate money to our coffee, co slash fi, if you want. Uh, we're trying to raise four grand for a Dalek. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much, always for listening. Next week, Alice will be back on the podcast and we will be talking about the underrated episodes of Doctor Who. So thank you so much again, Josh, for joining us, and I will see you next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye.